0: I don't know if you've ever had one of those conversations with your doctor when you go to see him or her, uh, whenever you think you're going in and he's, he's going to tell you, for my, my, my situation, it was a he uh, is going to tell you one thing and you get the other thing given to you. Um, it's, that, it's, that, it's that announcement, not that it's the horrible news, not the, the big C news, but it's the news that uh, you're not as healthy as you think you are. Um, go into the doctor with these little symptoms these little i 'm fatigued I'm, I have a heartburn I, ha- I have all these little uh, these little symptoms going on in me and I, and I go to the doctor and it was a few years back now and and uh, basically, I, if you were to put some kind of scale out there that i i, I wouldn 't I, w- I know i wouldn 't i wasn 't in the ideal category weight, everything else, fitness everything but i didn 't think I was you know i, I thought maybe maybe I might be in the, just after the ideal, okay, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay, uh, but no, he said, you're not okay, he said, you are you are not well, you you actually are showing signs that if you continue this way, and this is like mid-30s, if you continue this way, uh, you're going to shorten your life, you're going to have some things happen to you that don't need to happen to you, the preventative things, and I'm thinking, you're kidding me, doctor, I mean, I, 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 I you didn't see it coming. It wasn't, again, one of the big scary things that we can't deal with, cancer or the such. The problem was it was something that I could deal with. It was something that I had to i had to deal with. It was something that if I didn't deal with, the quality of my life and the quantity of my life, already the quality was, was being affected, but the quantity of my life and the quality of my life would actually come into play. Now, I, I did exercise every now and then. If there was a, a pickup game of basketball or, or church league basketball or softball, I, I'd be a part of that. And I would consider that my exercise. And from that, I justified all the value-packed meals at Taco Bell and McDonald's that a man can eat. And that was that was my justification that I could do that. I figured that I, I exercised to support my eating habits. Uh, that was kind of... Um, my frame of mind, but in that process, God began to show me that there was something not right about my thought process, this is in my, in my diet, in my exercise, that I was, had it totally out of, out of, out of line, I, you don't exercise to support your eating habits, uh, you, your eating habits should support your exercise, and that really what I eat, what I consume actually should benefit because I'm trying to get fit. I was not putting the right stuff in me. There was a whole lot more of me, literally, more of me. There was more of me, but there was also less of me. Let me explain that. There was more of me in, in, in a in a weighing mass quantity of me, but there was less of me. I was I was only good for about half a day. In the afternoon, I was pretty shot. Pretty drowsy, pretty hung over from a big lunch, those kind of feelings that kind of come over me to where I was uh, maybe a quarter productive in my my day, which is robbing God, the church. It's robbing life. And now all of a sudden there's less of me, but there's now more of me to give. I have stamina now that I can go on less hours of sleep. I have stamina now that I can go all day and, and have energy for the family when I get home. There's amazing things happen whenever... I'm no longer just doing a little bit of exercise because my eating habits are over here. What it was is I was not well. It's really when you come down to it is I was not well. I was sick. Again not sickness of the big C word. I was sick though. It was not what I should be. And it, my body was telling me there's several measurable values to health and one of those is sickness. And maybe maybe you don't feel sick. Maybe you can't go to the doctor and get an antibiotic or a shot or or something like that. But you don't Feel right. It's not you're not all there, and so sickness could be way you're defined. Wellness would be the next step. You'd want to move from sickness to wellness, and that was where I hopefully I am at least at wellness today. I hope that I'm there. I feel like I'm there, but I think there's another level that I I, I don't want. It's my aim. It's my goal. And there's literally objective measurements out there. Body mass index measurements, there's blood pressure measurements to, at each one of these levels. and But I, ultimately, I want to be fit. I want to reach that fitness level, that, that third level of where I'm able to, to, to go the full distance. I'm able to have the endurance. I'm able to enjoy the challenge. And, and I think that understanding where I was physically was really important, and it took a hard conversation with a doctor tell me, you're not well, before I ever woke up, identified the problem, arrested the problem, and adjusted. And so I want to just say to you today, whether it's physical or where I want to turn our attention to now, spiritual. Are you spiritually fit? Because that is a part of the the equation as well. Now, Now, granted, you can be physically beautiful and handsome. But you really what you do when you're just physically beautiful or handsome, then really, and you're not spiritually fit, you may be sick, you may be just well, but you're not fit spiritually, then you're just like a beautiful vase, all right? You can, you can be the most beautiful vase in northwest Arkansas. In fact, Vase Magazine could come to your house and shoot photos of you to be on the cover of Vase vase Magazine because you are so beautiful in your vase. But you take that vase and you drop it, and I won't give you a a, a skinny chance that that vase is going to make it because it's hollow on the inside. It's not just physical fitness that makes a person well makes a person fit, makes a person good for life. But there's also an, a level of spiritual fitness. If you have your Bibles, find the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is where we're at uh, in chapter 8. And we are coming to a, a, a close in, the, in, in these days on Nehemiah. But I, again, as I said last week, Nehemiah went from focusing on the walls in chapter 1 through 6, uh, building the walls, phase 1, to really, his real aim was to rebuild the kingdom of God in the nation of Israel. And that's phase two, if you will. He had to do phase one to get to phase two. But now he's on phase two. We see what Walter Kaiser, probably the foremost Old Testament scholar alive today, considers one of the top ten revivals of, of the entire Old Testament. Over the course of several millennium, we've got in chapter 8 of Nehemiah, one of the most Pivotal, flagship, revival, enlightening, and awakening moments in the nation of Israel. And what I wanted to say was, is, is though they might be physically secure from the nation's attacks because of the walls, they still weren't spiritually fit for the challenges that they would face throughout their days. But in chapter 8, we see this remarkable revival that spills over into chapter 9. And you see this thing just begin to unfold and just God does this great work. And we see a fit nation being reborn. A fit nation. Now, I want to ask you today, what does it take? What's the checklist, if you will, to be spiritually fit? What does it take to be spiritually fit in this world of misfits? What does it take to be physically fit in this world of uh, of obesity and out of shapeness, if you will. If that's even a word. You know, What does it take to be physically fit and what does it take to be spiritually fit? There are some parallels, I think. And I think we see them manifested here in chapter 8. And, and I just want to go through this checklist real quickly and I want to share these with you. And hopefully today, maybe today will be like for me, the day in Dr. Matt James's office, whenever he said, Mike, you're not well. And I'm not, I'm not hoping that for you, but I'm hoping that we can have a checkup with the doctor today and you can truly look at your life and say, am I spiritually fit? Am I really just a beautiful vase covered over with fashion and makeup? Or am I truly fit inside and out? And what we see in this revival breaks out, and we see an introduction of a new character, Ezra, in this chapter. Ezra, of course, we have the book of Ezra, and Ezra was the priest, and Nehemiah was the governor of the land at this time. And so they're contemporaries going side by side, rebuilding the nation. But as I said, Nehemiah's focus was on the walls until the walls were done, and then his focus was on the people. And he and Ezra come together in a beautiful, beautiful harmony here to rebuild and strengthen a nation that has been sick been sick. And I want to give you this checklist and you just kind of look at your life, whether it's physical or spiritual, but I want to emphasize the spiritual checklist today. And you just ask yourself, are you spiritually fit for the future? One is that I think you need to seek a fitness community. You need to have a fitness community. God's work in individuals has been beautiful throughout the years, but His amazing work has always happened in a body of believers. You take the beginning of the church in Acts, the first chapters of Acts. You have Peter, who's been told by Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, "The Peter upon this rock, I'll build my church, and you're going you're gonna to lead the church. And he, he truly, you see him in Acts chapter 2, him taking the lead of the church. But did God only commission Peter? No you'll find that 120 people in the upper room in Acts chapter 1, He commissions them to go to the ends of the earth. It wasn't through Peter. It's not going to be through Mike McDaniel that you will be spiritually fit and that all your children will be spiritually fit. It will not be through the pastoral team alone. It will be because you are a part of and you are contributing to a spiritual community that thrives and seeks after fitness. Seeks after your spiritual fitness, personally speaking, I I spent, after the doctor gave me my little diagnosis, I immediately went out and got a gym membership. I noticed, though, real quickly, that buying a gym membership doesn't buy you fitness. Just because you own a membership, just because you pay the dues of the membership, just because you go out and buy the expensive latest equipment doesn't make you fit. You know, just because you come here to this room and sit in this room week to week doesn't make you spiritually fit. Are you a part of this spiritual community? Are you a part of this in a a fitness manner that you are being poured into, you are pouring into others? And it wasn't until I actually got with a group of guys, some are in this room right now, and I began to work out with them, and we began to hold each other accountable. And we would, if one skipped out, we'd call the other and say, hey, you missed this morning, where are you at? Or we'd really hold each other accountable. And it was through that process of a community committed to our physical fitness that I began to understand something. I can't do this alone. I can't get physically fit alone. And I will say this to you. You won't get spiritually fit on your own either. People can, can deny the value of the church. They can diss the church. They can have all manner of problems against the church. And I know that there are many of them are legit. But I'll say this. You need to have a community. And I will say not just a larger community, a smaller community. Where you are striving for, for spiritual fitness. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 12 says it like this. By yourself, you're unprotected. This is out of the message message was paraphrased by Eugene Peterson, which I'll quote in just a moment. With a a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? A three-strand rope isn't easily snapped. Listen, we've got to see the value of one another. We've got to plug into one another. We've got to draw from one another. We've got to feed one another. We've got to support one another. We've got to walk with one another through life. Eugene Peterson, who, wrote, who paraphrased the message, said it like this, Our membership in the church is a corollary to our, of our faith in Christ. We can no more be a Christian and have nothing to do with the church than we can be a person and not be in a family. It is a part of the fabric of redemption. When you come to chapter 8 of Nehemiah, you find in verse 1, you find a statement that I don't want you to miss. Is it says and all the people gathered as one man in the square. All the people gathered as one man in the. Who? How many are all the people? We just learned last week that there are over forty something thousand people, nearly fifty thousand people living in Jerusalem. Fifty thousand people—that's a mass of people. But these fifty thousand people came together. One heart, one soul, one mind, united together in community with one another. Don't miss the fact that people come together. In fact, the word people is used throughout here. People occurs 13 different times in the the first 12 verses alone. And all the peoples occurs nine times. He's emphasizing something here. That there is a community. That there's a connection. That there's an agreement. That there's a oneness. They're coming together. You think about a force of 50,000 people. How do you get 50,000 people on the same page? It's really hard. Unless, it's a, unless there's a rallying point. Of we've, been, we've been sick, we've been unhealthy, we need to be well, and we come together. It's like my buddies. When we started working out together, we all had heard a voice from a doctor, from our spouse, from our own bodies telling us, you aren't fit, you need to get fit, and we started coming together. And we had one goal, to get fit. I just want to say to all of us in this room today, I hope that you're here because you want to be a part of a community that draws us together, that makes us one, that we are going to be fit together. Eisenhower said when he was leading the allied forces of Europe against the Nazis, he said this whenever he was asked how would he lead these forces of these different nations all under one uh, under one banner, he said this, he said, Sir, we are one team or we lose. We're one team or we lose. It's all over. We'll not make it without being one team. 50,000 people all coming together as one man, as one man. How can we as a church continue to be one, be a community, be connected, not fragmented, scattered across three gatherings, a church that's growing, body life groups from Fayetteville to Missouri? I mean, how can, how can we be so fragmented? We've got to be one. We've got to ultimately come together as one spiritual community. I want to uh, introduce a new, a new, a new, th- a tool, if you will, of something that we want to offer you. And, and Leandra going to come share with me about this tool. Leandra's, how long have you been with us?
1: Six years. Six
0: years. All right. She was our first children and preschool director on staff as our on a pastoral team, and she felt called away from that to be a full time mom. And so that's a that's <laughs> a higher calling for sure. <laughs> And as she went to do that, she's been able to wear two different hats, being on our team at the same time, being a stay-at-home mom, member of Grace Point Church. But we have a new opportunity, and she's got lots of skills that we're still drawing from, to how we want to bring our church together, keep coming together, keep growing together, and I want you to share the tool with them.
1: Okay, so our new tool is called Connection Point. Has anybody this week seen online on the front page this new button called Connection Point and wondered what that was? Her husband. (laughs) My husband has. Of course he has. (laughs) Okay, so on the very front page of our webpage, there's now a new button called Connection Point. You might be asking, okay, what is this? I don't know what it looks like. Um, It's actually... Uh, it's, it's a place. It's an online portal. It's a place for your body life groups to interface together. And it's also a church directory. So how does this benefit you? This, this will help you because <laughs> as we grow, as Mike was saying, as we keep on getting bigger and bigger, we can stay connected um, digitally and personally. Um, we can also have our up-to-date information. So if we wanted to contact a member to see how they're doing or ask how how their grandmother Sue was doing, um, we would have their information. Um, and also, it's easy. I don't know if you've ever had those programs that are just frustrating I'm an and I- I'm
0: an idiot, hard so to like learn.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's easy. So don't be don't be scared of it. Um, there's four different ways that this is going to help us. The first thing is community. And it's going to help us um, connect everybody through body laugh groups. So if you were to go to, you know, the connection point, if you were to click on that button, it would take you to the very first homepage of Connection Point. And Tim, our lovely assistant, is helping us this morning with this. Okay, so this is what you see when you, when you select Connection Point. And on here, um, you can see there's instructions on in how to do it if you're not familiar with it. And you can also see at the top, there's a place to enter a postal code or a category. What does all this mean? This is a place for you to find a group. We primarily use it for our body life groups, but we also use it for our men's and women's groups too sometimes. Um, so if you wanted to find a body life group, you could select easily, um, on that button right there, or yeah, and you can see a whole list of all of them, or you can type in your poster code. Maybe it's, maybe you live in, yeah, Bentonville. Um, you can look at the categories too, and you can see, you know, what type of body life group you might be looking for, whether it's just women or young marrieds or all life stages. Tim, if you could select all life stages, that'd be great. At the very top. And then you can also look for the weekday or the start time, whatever fits your family needs the best. Uh, just select any. That'll do us good. And whether or not your children are welcome.
0: <laughs> we love children. We do. Yeah. They're just, s- yeah.
1: Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> so from here, this is really cool because it takes where your zip code is, and it gives you all the lists, and that might be kind of confusing to look at. You can also select at the top at a map, and you can see who is close to you. And if you were to hover over one of those groups, um, it tells you the name of the group and where they meet at. So you can see if it's close to you, if it's good for you. Um, The next thing that, that this connection point is offering us is it a, So you can find a group easily that meets your needs. But the next thing that it offers is connection. So once you find a body laugh group, you can, you can request on there how to find a group. If you were to select one of those body laugh groups, you can send in a request and say, hey, I would like to know more information. Without having an account, without having to log in, you can just say, hey, I would like to know more about your group. Well, once you have signed into a group, um, you can create an account. Um, you can communicate very easily with your group. So at the top right here, you can see you have an account or your name, your name, email. That's where you can request. And at the top where he clicked sign in, here's where you can create an account. If you don't have an account, um, you, c- you can click on register at the top. If you do, you can click select sign in. So I have a, a, a little fake person um, her name is Sally Pickle, so we're going to be looking at Sally Pickle today. <laughs> um, okay, so from here, if you're looking here, if you scroll down to the bottom where it says your groups, you can select this, and you can see the group that you're a part of. Our little Sally Pickle is leading a group. So from here, you can see that she can um, she can put the schedule, location, information about her group, um she also has a roster, and everybody that's a member of a group has a roster. If you can select the roster tab so they can see it at the top and this is where this is where it would list everybody who's a member, so her husband is also a member of so that it's, group
0: It's come. Kind of- It's not Facebook, but it is kind of where you can kind of connect with people there, know your group, have all their information Yeah.
1: there. So from this point, from the members' point of view, you can see their email and their phone number, so you can contact them. And if they had a social feed like a Twitter or a Facebook, you would see that there if you wanted to connect with them that way. Um, The next thing that it offers us is care. So for the group leaders... Um, like Sally is a group leader. She has the tools that she needs for ministry. She has their contact information. She can follow up with anybody, whether they're a member or there's somebody that's, you know, logging in to get information. And they can also share prayer needs and news. There's a place um, on, that, on that page where you can, you, there's a bulletin and you can post different notes of what's going on with your group, when you're meeting, maybe you're having a party. Um, and the final thing that it controls. This might might be scary to see that they have this online portal, and there's all this information out there, and people can get it. Mm-hmm. Control. You have the ability to control who sees what. You get to maintain your own profile, and you get to opt into the church directory.
0: In fact, if you don't opt in, mm-hmm. then you will you will never the, the connection will never take place, right?
1: Right. So the church directory. If you go to your profile first, right now you'll see that access is denied because you haven't opted into it. If you go to your profile, you can see that we can keep, you can control who sees um, who sees your household information, your contact information. Um, if you even scroll down further, you could add um, you could add a picture of yourself, a picture of your kids. You can add. Basically anything about them that you want to know, um, yeah. There's a. Isn't that a cool Kid picture?
0: There,
1: yeah. I know. <laughs> have you ever seen the Rugrats? That's where I get one. <laughs> okay. You are a stay-at-home mom. Aren't I you? know, right? <laughs> so from there, you can you get to control who sees what. Now I do have to tell you that if you change your name to Sally Pickle, Sally Pickle, or Leodra is awesome, or something like that, mm-hmm. that will print on your name tags from here on out at Grace Point.
0: Which so, we, we would not want that <laughs> because then if you go to the hospital or if you're in the hospital and your group wants to reach out to you and your name is Sally Pickle now, they'll never find you, <laughs> all right, at the hospital. So think about it like that. Yeah,
1: so think about that. Um, and you, where you can change that is if you put it in your nickname. So don't put a nickname unless you actually go by that nickname. Um. Also, if you were to go back to your home page, yeah, click on home. Here where you see privacy settings, this is where you control what everybody sees. You can see that there's a, a way to choose church staff, group leaders. The church staff can see anything that you've given us, but you can decide whether or not you want your leaders to see it or the members of your group. For everyone. Everyone is just for the church directory, and the church directory is only available for members. So if you're not a member of Grace Point, it's not not an option. Um, So from there, you get to control it, and at the very bottom is where you can select include me in the church directory, and if you were to select that and save it, then you would have a whole new option at the top that says directory. You can see it by find a group,
0: the and top. there,
1: and you can see it there too. Yeah, okay. So these are all the people so far that have have opted into our church directory. So from there, um, just to kind of give you um, an overview, I gave you a lot of information. To get this, you can see it at our church website. You can go to www.gracepoint. You can click on the connection center button that's on the front page. You can sign in, or you can you can register or create a login. And from there, if you have any questions or need any help, you can email me, and I can answer any questions you might have. But it's such a it's a great tool.
0: Awesome, awesome! So, Thank you. Give her a hand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this may say, oh wow, what a sales pitch. What a what? You know what? It is an effort for us to as we grow larger, grow smaller. And if we can stay connected and allow that connectivity to spread in a very practical way, again, hospitalization, birth, pregnancy, a death in the family, and then all of a sudden church doesn't reach out to you, maybe they didn't have your number to reach out to you. Maybe they didn't even know your name. Uh, And so this is an opportunity for us to get connected. Body Life Groups is one of those ways that we're going to get connected. In fact, here in a couple of weeks, Eric's going to be leading a new training for new Body Life Group leaders. If you're interested in it, see Eric. Right, Eric at Church. We're just trying to do this. We're trying to get our community fit. We're going to have to stay connected. You're going to have to show intentionality reaching across the room to one another if this is going to happen. Let's move on to number two. You've got to strengthen your core through the word. If you're going to be spiritually fit, and having a community is so important, I had these gym memberships, and they were a joke. I saw zero to, to no progress. It was when I found the community that I saw the progress of my fellow brothers working out together. But it's also figuring out how you're going to get strong at the very core of who you are. It's interesting out there. There are so many tools out there. Uh, in fact, I went on Amazon this week just to find out how many tools out there are there for strengthening your core. On Amazon alone, there are 434 ab fitness equipment or, or diagnosis or whatever to get your core strong. Here's a few pictures of those. There's the ab rocker twister. All right. That will help get your core where you want it. Perfect setup equipment. Uh, looks like a ski. Go to the next one. There. I don't know what that is, but that's a perfect setup equipment there for you. And Then there's the ab lounger extreme. All right. Looks like. Something that would be in a hospital rehab wing or something like that. But I always love this one. see it's been around for long. The ab belt. All right? And they promise within six weeks you'll look like that or something like that. You know, whatever it is out there, there are all kinds of gimmicks. We're not talking about selling gimmicks here. The gimmick is not not what we're about. Whenever you see the, the nation of Israel coming back together, you see something beautiful that happens. They come back. And they realize that the Word of God has been missing in their life. There has been a famine in the land. The famine in the the Word of God. There hasn't been a movement of God since Haggai and Zerubbabel. Seventy-five years prior to this. They have been displaced for over a hundred years. There hasn't been a clear reading of the Word and so what they realize is they realize we've got to come back to what makes us strong as a nation. We've got to realize as followers of Jesus Christ, what is going to make you strong? And if, if you are not getting a regular constant diet of the Word of God, I'm afraid you are going to be weak and flabby. And if you're depending on me to feed you on Sunday, it isn't going to be enough. Do you eat one meal a week? It's not going to get you through. And I think you have to ask yourself some questions and you have to drill down. Am I strengthening my core? But look at verse 2 and following. So Ezra the priest... Actually, verse 1 it says that the the water. they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law, the Moses. And the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra, verse 2, the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard. On the first day of the seventh month, and they read from, the, the, uh, from facing, the water, uh, facing the square before the water gate early in the morning until midday. What are they reading from? They're reading from the Moses' book. They're reading from the law, the scriptures. And It goes on to talk about how in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand in the ears of all the people were attentive. There was something about this. There was a freshness to reading the Word of God. I'm afraid in our familiarity, we've lost the interest in the Word of God. In the daily diet of the Word of God, here's something I think you've got to have in your life if you're going to strengthen your core, and that's a hunger for the Word. A hunger for His Word. They told Ezra, Ezra, bring the law. Ezra didn't say, hey guys, it's time to sit down for our Bible study. You know what? If you have to prop people up and remind them, they're not hungry. My kids, my children will ask us at lunch what we're having for dinner that night, as if they've ever missed a meal, because they're already thinking oh, about what, what's, what's next on the table. They're hungry. They're constantly hungry if you have teenage boys. Con- are you hungry? For the word, First Peter chapter two, verse two says, "Like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation." Are you growing in your faith? First Corinthians chapter three, verse two and three it says, "I had to feed you with milk, not solid food, because you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready for it, because you are still, you still." Uh, live as people of the wor- as the world lives. See, there's a there's a direct correlation between your diet in the Word and the life you live. If the life you live is more like the world and less like God, it's probably because there's not a constant diet of His Word. How hungry are you? Are you famished? Are you craving? Are you satisfied? Are you not interested? Or does this whole topic just make you bored out of your mind? Or is it, is it welling up something and you say, hey, You know what? I haven't been in God's Word. I don't even, I don't even know where to start. When you, when you have a hunger, you'll find a place. It's kind of like my kids. Whenever they're hungry, they'll go through freezers. They'll go through refrigerators. When they get hungry enough, they will find something to eat. All right? When our kids were young, kid you not, we didn't feed them this. They found it. Dog food. All right? You know, when kids get hungry, they will eat. When you get hungry, you'll find something. Will it be junk food or will it be real food? What will you be eating? Once you're into the Word, what do you do with it? You understand the Word. Verse 2 and 3, you find it there. Circle the Word in verse 2. It says, both men and women and all who could understand. Again, down in verse 3, he said, those who could understand. Stand. Then all the way down to verse 8, he said the people understood the reading. Understanding the Word is just as important as reading the Word. If you take the commitment today that you're going to read the Bible through in a year, but you don't understand it, you've only done part of it. I would rather you read one book of the Bible in a year than all the Bible through and understand that one book than read all the Bible through and not understand any of it. Take time to spend time to digest to understand it. Mike, I just understand it's these and the thous and it's all these Old Testament stories. And I, I, you know what you do when you don't understand? You ask questions, don't you? You raise your hand and you ask questions. What questions do you ask? When I come to the Word, still to this day, and I've been doing this for years, I ask these questions. I ask, and it's in an acrostic space. Is there a sin to confess? Am I sitting here reading and all of a sudden bubbling up from this book? I'm seeing that there's a sin in my life that I'm not measuring up to this. Is there a sin to confess? Is there a promise to claim? In this this text that I'm reading, in this Psalms, in this Proverbs, is there a promise that I can take to my life and apply it to my life? Is there an attitude that I need to change? Ask the questions of the text. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. Yeah, I know, I, there's a lot I don't understand. Don't, don't worry about what you don't understand. Pay attention to what you do understand. And pretty soon what you don't understand, you'll understand. Make sense? Just get in the Word. Stay in the Word. Keep asking questions. Is there a promise to the attitude to change? Is there a command to obey? Is there something that I need to do that I'm reading here? Is there an example to follow? And then number three, respond to the Word. Get up and say yes to the Word. I'm going to do it. Verse 5 and 6, you notice that they responded to the Word and Ezra opened the book of the law in the sight of all the people. For as above all the people, he opened it and all the people stood and Ezra blessed the Lord and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, and lifted up their hands. And it says that they went on and they worshiped. They responded to the Word. Now here, listen to this. If you don't hunger the Word, you will never understand the Word. If you don't understand the Word, you can never do the Word. And James tells us that we need to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. So my question to you, do you even have the hunger? If you have the hunger, are you taking the time to understand it, to dive into it, to get with other people (laughs) and ask them the same questions? What does this mean? What is this text telling me? get with it do that it's a part of building your core take this prayer how are you how's your prayer life i mean that's a basic thing ephesians chapter 4 verse 18 he tells us to pray at all times my question to you if that's what the verse says that's a command to obey now my question to you and my question to me is what's my prayer life look like pretty simple right I read Ephesians chapter 4, I read that verse, I find that one statement, I have to ask myself the question, am I doing this? That's a sin to confess if I'm not. But it's also a command to obey. So I'm going to journal. I am going to commit my life to be more prayerful, God. Another one, what about giving? I mean, let's just be very frank about this. Because I love you, but I want to be very frank with you. I see more Christians struggle with the basic obedience to tithing than I do any other spiritual discipline. What about tithing? Do we not understand? 10% has been 10% since Adam and Eve, and it'll be 10% till Jesus comes back. Either we're going to do it or we're not. You can debate Scriptures. You can debate Old Testament, New Testament. You can debate. You can debate. But what about simple obedience? There's a command to obey. Bring all my tithe into the storehouse. That's simple. Don't argue with me. Don't argue with Scripture. Just obey it. It will strengthen the core. But yet 2.3% of Christians actually tithe. What about serving? Jesus. sets an example for us. He was a person who, by example, came to serve. Now, how is it that whenever we raise up a need in our church, or we raise up a need in our community, we say, oh, I hope somebody else will step in and fill that because I don't have enough time. I'm thankful to God that Jesus didn't say, I don't have enough time to go down and serve humanity. Let's just think about our core. How are we strengthening our core? Celebrate and live in the victories. And again, I don't have time to read all of this just for the sake of time. Read on, on your own. Verses 13 and and following when they get into the actually verses 9 and following whenever they get into the state of of revival, there's this mourning that goes on, this brokenheartedness that goes on, and all of a sudden they say, Stop! Don't do that. This is a time of celebration. This is a time of rejoicing. And what happens in life is sometimes we just see all the negativity. And Ezra has to bring him around. Nehemiah has to bring them around. This is a time of rejoicing. Through through these hard times, we need to have a rejoicing spirit. He says the joy, and there's been songs written off of this verse. Verse 10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. How are you going to make it through life? Find joy in Christ, and that will give you strength for life. Finally, if you're going to be spiritually fit, you you gotta clean out the trash. You gotta clean it out. You know, and a life principle for you is just keep a short list with God. And I talk about cleaning out the trash. I'm talking about going into your life and and saying, You know what, God, I've been I haven't been living right here. This is I've been off course. I, I do need to read these verses and I I, I didn't do justice to the third point but I want to do justice to the fourth. Because verse 18, if you look down at at, at this chapter, it says this, it says, And day by day, from that first day to the last day, he read from the book of the law of God. And they kept the feast seven days. And on that eighth day, they had a solemn assembly according to the rule. Now verse 9, chapter 9. Now on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth. And, and with earth on their heads, and the Israelites separated themselves from all the foreigners and stood, and what did they do? They confessed their sins and the iniquity of their fathers. And they stood up in their place, and they read from the book of the law and of the Lord their God, for a quarter of the day. These people couldn't get enough of this book, but there was something else that they did as they took out the trash. They 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 realized that, that what they were carrying with them, they confessed their sins, their sins, and the sins of their fathers. That's, this is going to be big. And I just want you to rest here for a moment. Because, because as you come and you think about spiritual fitness, I want you to think about your personal confession. A personal confession needs to be made of... Where you look at your life and you think, you know what, God? There's been attitudes and there's been ways and there's been there's been some things that I've said and there's been some things that I've done that I am I'm not proud of. And, and I and I think you, you need to take the time and due diligence. You need to maybe write it out. And, and I doing that is is extremely important. But I'll tell you what. I can't get away from the statement that they also confess the iniquity of their fathers. What's that about? Is this some kind of Catholicism? Is this some kind of I can pray for my dead, dead ancestors? Not at all. See, I, I, want, I want this to just, just be in your minds. Is that there are sins that are passed down from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. And they're sins of our family of origin. And we take them on because that's all we know. We grew up in this home and they did it this way and they thought this way and they, they operated this way and they emoted this way and this is the way we did it and so this is the way my family is going to do it. And all along, it's just passing on one set of wounds to another set of wounds to another generation to another generation. And it's wrong. It's so wrong. And I I don't know if you just draw a line down a sheet of paper, but you need to have a family confession as well. And maybe on one side of that paper it is, these are my issues, God, that I'm dealing with. But you pull them apart and you say, these are the issues that I brought into my marriage. These are the issues that I brought into my home. This is what I'm dealing with, that I've been dealing with for multiple generations. And God, I'm ready to write that. I'm ready to get these out of my life. I want to be clean. You know, whenever I realized that I couldn't eat anything I wanted, all that I wanted, and I could just go to the gym and exercise it all, I realized something that I needed to go through a detox. I needed to eat good stuff. I needed to eat as close to the way God made it kind of stuff. I needed to eat on a different diet, but it wasn't a diet. And this is what I realized, because I, I'd done the diet, Atkins diet. I'd done the, the different kinds of diets to get myself fit. And I would lose a few pounds, and then guess what happened? I'd gain it all right back, plus something. Then I would get a oh, horrible, lose a few. You know what? It, it requires a lifestyle change. And, you know, today, if you're going to be spiritually fit, it may mean that you just take time right now and as the band will sing over you, you just start taking that pen and paper out and you just start writing it down. These are my sins, God. These are the sins of the previous generation that I'm bringing into my family and I want them gone. And we start cleaning out the pantry of our life, of the trash, and the garbage that we've been carrying with us, attitudes, actions, behaviors, ways of thinking, emoting, the ways of expressing, the ways of dealing with anger, the ways of communicating, habits, hang-ups things, we need to put it on the table. We need to confess it get right with God. Would you bow your heads with me? We've, we've, We've talked about a lot today. A lot of information. But if anything, I want you to start right here with that time of confession, that time of reconciliation and getting things right in your own heart. Take the time. Father God, Would You pour over us? Would You show us? Would You pull back the veil of things that we have been reproducing for maybe multiple generations? And we need to take time today in in a solemn moment and confess the sins of our own life and the sins of our fathers and our mothers and our uncles and our aunts and our grandparents that have been passed down from one generation to the next. Lord, open our eyes. And help us, Lord, to become fit today. Not just well, but Lord, help us to move out of sickness into fitness.